Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Matt Harmon, joined by Dalton Del Don. Dalton, it's been Feels like a thousand years since we've podcasted together, but uh, but how are things, man? Things are going well. Uh, jumping around between baseball and football right now, but yeah, it's been it's been a while. So happy to talk some some football with you, Matt. How's it going? Things are good. Yeah, I was thinking about that when we were going to do the show together. I'm like, Dalton is um, jumping between you know these two sports that are. I mean, obviously, like I, I don't look. You know, I don't know anything when it comes to like fantasy basketball or baseball, but. Um, Basketball is actually happening right now. Baseball is like ramping up. So yes. okay, you're not for yeah. for the listeners. He, he's nodding his head. <laughs> so I'm like, he's actually got to focus on these two things that are happening right now. And it's like, I'm just I'm just basically like, hey Dalton, please like come podcast with me. Uh, like just 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 have football takes like basically in the chamber, ready to go. Um, I love that. That is why you are the man, Dalton Deldon. You know, just for the content, I even did a best ball draft just so I could stay in football mode, you know, so I'll have some some takes here and there. But yeah, we got a good interview I hear coming up too as well. So yeah, totally down to talk some football with you. It's free agency time. There's stuff to talk about. It is absolutely an exciting time in the NFL. But before we get into all that, heads up to everyone out there. Bracket season, yet another sport that is actually happening right now. Bracket season is here. Play this year's Yahoo Fantasy 50K Tourney Pick'em Contest for your chance to win cash prizes the bracket with the highest score will win the grand prize of ten thousand dollars and i mean there's an and here folks and a las vegas getaway it is free to enter and over ten thousand people will win cash prizes ten thousand is a rather large number sign up now at tourney.yahoo.com and of course as dalton mentioned later in the show we're going to chat with Naheem Hines, the Colts PPR machine. Stick around for that. But first, we've got plenty of franchise tags and free agents to talk about uh, with Dalton. So let's jump right into it. Uh, let's start off with a scintillating headline from today, Dalton. The Texans make a big, uh, make a big splash by adding. I'm, this is so bad. It's like. Uh, let's just let's just get people interested in this offseason show. Let's talk about how they signed Mark Ingram. I mean, $3 million for Mark Ingram. $3 million is not a lot of scratch, um, of course, but it does seem weird that in a cash-strapped year, they're going to give Mark Ingram $3 million when they already have David Johnson locked up. Um, I don't know. My personal pet theory on this, Dalton, is that they looked at uh, – obviously, there's some connective tissue with 
uh, head coach David Culley coming from the Ravens. He was their passing game and wide receiver coordinator, but obviously would know Mark Ingram from his time there. My personal pet theory is that uh, Coach Dave is basically going to tell Deshaun, hey, did you see what a great hype man Mark Ingram was for uh, Lamar Jackson during all those moments in the press conferences? He can be your hype man. Come on, do anything, anything. Please, please come back. But uh, what was your reaction to this and also the news that Brandon Cooks is for sure, despite the salary cap crunch, going to be coming back to the Texans. Yeah, I've tried. I've stopped trying to figure out the reasoning behind all, any of the Texans' <laughs> moves. But on one hand, you could say Ingram is one season removed from 15 touchdowns, but obviously he benefited from that system. And last year, he was just completely obsolete, especially in the second half. He's 31 years old. You know, the age running backs sometimes fall off. So uh, I, whatever, this doesn't move the needle much. I mean, David Johnson remains there and who knows is going to be quarterback. And I'm as convinced as, as ever Watson is going to be moved at the, the back talk, backtracking to the latest, uh, the latest quotes definitely be construed that that is eventually, maybe not soon, but eventually going to happen. And obviously that just would be a huge downgrade on an offense that has a poor offensive line and, and, you know, shaky coaching and all that. So I, yeah, no, no big deal with Mark Ingram signing as a backup in Houston. Yeah, didn't really want to draft David Johnson before this. Definitely don't want to draft David Johnson now. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is a guy who's like quietly productive every single year, basically, no matter when he moves to new teams. It doesn't seem to to slow him down at this point. Uh, the first year of Brandon Cooks is always a, a great time, right? Uh, it has been for the Rams, the Patriots, obviously the Saints as well, too. And for the Texans last year, I think it was underrated. What a, what a really nice production level season that he had, but at the same time, Without Deshaun Watson, this is a total train wreck, and we still don't know what that looks like. So, um, yeah, I, it's a, I guess it's a culture move for a team that is uh, <laughs> prioritizing their culture coach or whatever yeah. above all else. <laughs> it's weird. Who cares? Um, anyways, more notable, I think, actually coming from uh, Wednesday or excuse, excuse me, from Thursday, uh, the Chiefs released, released both of their starting tackles left tackle eric fisher who uh was injured during the afc championship game an achilles injury which proved to be a big big problem obviously for kansas city in the super bowl and their right tackle mitchell swartz who's like one of the best most rocks solid guys at the right tackle position he's been a stud ever since he signed in kansas city but was also injured basically all of last year he was released too i think there's a chance we probably see these guys one or maybe both of them come back on reduced salary deals it's just this is the type where we're going to get to other discussion points of this but this is what's going on in the nfl right now because of the salary cap crunch that we're facing um what was your reaction to this news is it something to sort of um like note when we're talking about the chiefs offense going forward yeah i think the salary cap had gone up eight straight years and now down things are teams are going to have to to react like this obviously we just saw in the super bowl how much it mattered losing those two guys so Normally, I wouldn't want to overreact, but the, you look at Casey's depth, and this is to the point of it's worth noting. Yes, absolutely. It looks pretty bad right now on paper. Their offensive line looks like a problem. Obviously, Mahomes could probably overcome that, but if you're looking at Edwards-Hilaire, and uh, it'd have to be a pretty good scheme with the names right now they're lining up. So, yeah, this is definitely noteworthy if you look at the depth chart in KC for the O-line. Yeah, their starting center, too, is going to hit free agency. That w- That came out today as well, so... It looks like a full rebuild operation on the offensive line no. for Kansas City. Luckily, you know, their defense is at a point where um, they don't have to do too much because of the offense they play with. Spags does a really good job of scheming things up, like causing just enough chaos. So it's not as if they have a ton of needs over there. They certainly can do some tweaking. And on offense, you know, everybody wants them to get another receiver. Um, they could do that potentially in free agency, but I bet they hit 
the offensive line hard and heavy in the NFL draft. And like I said, probably bring both both or one of these guys back uh, on reduced salaries. But these are the type of cuts that we should like the middle class of the NFL, even though Schwartz, I think, is an all star level player. You know, from a salary perspective, that middle class of the NFL, it's going to be um, it's going to be a squeeze this year. And that brings us to our next news item. And um, I just want to take a personal moment of silence. Um, you know, maybe play like a little. I don't know, because uh, the Bills, they cut John Brown. He announced it on his Instagram. It's very sad, Dalton. Uh, yeah, no, you're burying your lead. <laughs> I knew this would be sad for you. Uh, bump uh, Gabriel Davis up your fantasy cheat sheets for sure. But yeah, uh, and I've heard oh, of. Can you just so- give me one moment of okay, respect, sorry, okay. Dalton? All right, I know. No, he's been great. I'm a fan before of the Smoky Brown before myself. Before you go to game, right. yeah, you I know, I'm throw already, the dirt yeah, on already and already just talk about it's like. It's like you just told fair. me my you're, you're my mom and you told me my okay, dad fair. left and it's like okay yeah. but don't worry because uh, yeah. I've already dating somebody new. No, I get it. Moving but for on. real. Yeah. Continue with the with the Gabe Davis hype because it is worth yeah. noting. No, no, the Bills are so pass happy and every the, the the splits with him, you know, in the lineup without John Brown last year were made him very fantasy worthy in PPR and that should continue this time. Who who knows if Cole Beasley can stay healthy a whole another 16 games too. So, like the setup there loves Stefan Diggs to just remain the top 3, top 2, top 1 yeah. maybe fantasy receiver next year. And then Brown, I've heard him connected some some places Pittsburgh, I don't see that at all. Even without Juju, I mean, James Washington's there and Roethlisberger looks toasted. So um, maybe Indy. I don't know. But I'm a fan of Smokey Brown, too. So no, I want to give the floor to you. I know he's your guy. So he could. I mean, he's a good football player. I mean, even even if it's not fantasy, he's creating uh, drawing PIs. I mean, he's a uh, you know, the, the health has been a problem with him throughout his career, but he's definitely going to could be a, a real clever, you know, cheaper signing for a team. Yeah, the free agent market among the wide receivers is crowded. Uh, even with some of the top guys getting tagged, I still really like this class if you're searching for a number two or really quality number three uh, for your wide receiver depth chart. And I think Brown fits into that mold. Like, I still think he's got some gas left. When he was on the field last year, he was still pretty productive. He was still making things happen. You know, it looked like early on in the year when Josh Allen was exploding, when Stefan Diggs was fully sinking in, it's like, oh yeah, but John Brown is also there and he's still putting up numbers and you want a piece of this offense. That actually remained true through the rest of the year because Gabe Davis was pretty good. And um, Cole Beasley, I actually think Cole Beasley could be a really good value next year because mm-hmm. everybody is going to, like if you were on fantasy Twitter when John Brown got uh, released, which it was sort of a move that most could see coming. So you probably should have... Um, price that into your Davis offseason uh, expectations. But it basically, fantasy Twitter was firing the cannons for, for Gabe Davis. He's going to get a lot of pub, a lot of excitement. But I think that could lend to Beasley, who benefited just as much um, when Brown was gone. Obviously, all that production to end the year. I think that could actually make Beasley a pretty decent value, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, as for Brown, I think we'll have a lot of suitors. I love the Indianapolis idea. I mean, I think we're going to be connecting receivers to Indy um, basically – all throughout the year. Uh, I actually think Kansas city, we talked, I talked talk about them earlier, uh, potentially looking for a receiver and actually one that really, I hadn't thought of this before, but um, man, the Rams really need a vertical wide receiver, man. They, they, that offense had no juice last year. I know a lot of it is going to get thrown on Jared Goff, but Robert Woods and Cooper cup are definitely, definitely not vertical receivers. I, you know, the Rams profile is a team that could throw, you know, some bargain money at somebody like they can't go for the Kenny Galladay, Matt Stafford reunion, even the Marvin Jones 
Matt Stafford reunion might not be exactly what they're looking for. Um, but from a bargain perspective, maybe John Brown fits in a place like that. Yeah, I don't like that as a Niners fan because it's a great call because they never needed one before with Goff. But now that they have a quarterback who will throw downfield, absolutely a deep threat there would be uh, would be nice. And again, he could be a bargain to his contract. Coming off a, an injured year, you're right, he was productive and was out there, but the games which it may not have shown in the box score, he he was playing banged up a lot. So a healthy Brown, wow, on that the Rams, man. I, I, I'll tell you right now, the Rams are my pick to come out of the NFC. I'll say it right now. Just the odds wow. I wish were a bit longer. It's They're 12-1 to win the Super Bowl, 6-1 to win the, the conference. That's just not enough. But um, that, yeah, they'd be my pick if I had to choose right now. Uh, and it sickens me to say it, but yeah, they, they look loaded. Yeah, I don't know about the salary cap situation and how much they look great for the future, but Stafford, I, I think he really is. It's going to be just with he's going to be the difference. And uh, look at the rest of that conference. And uh, yeah, the Rams are the, it would be my pick to, to come out of the NFC right now. Yeah, it's like just not sneaky enough, you know, because there's a good amount of um, there's a good amount of, uh, of hype around them sure. after the Stafford trade. But yeah, I, I, I think they really need a vertical receiver. I, I'm I'd be a little like. I'd be a little worried about the offense hitting its ceiling if they don't add a speed element there, because even a guy like Van Jefferson, who was a interesting rookie in the offseason last year, he's not really a, he's not really a take the top off guy. I mean, he, he can do some decent things getting off press coverage, everything. But I, I would really love to see them get uh, someone to replace that Brandon Cooks role, because, look, they had to get Cooks off the roster, right? Just because of the of the salary cap, they're going to always have to make those kind of cuts. But. They missed him. They missed him last year. They really missed having that player. Um, let's go to the AFC South, where the Titans are not tagging uh, Jonu Smith or Corey Davis. Both of those guys will hit the market. And I think you could make an argument that after Kenny Galladay, Corey Davis is the best wide receiver on the market. I mean, there's also Juju. It's a crowded uh, – there's Will Fuller. But I think, you know, Corey Davis fits in maybe – right at the top of that second tier after Galladay and Fuller. Then you're looking at the, uh, in my opinion, I just wrote a piece about this for the website, yahoosports.com. It's a fantastic place on the internet to be. Uh, I kind of grouped the receivers into tiers. I think Davis fits right in that second tier with guys like Juju uh, and Curtis Samuel, you know, after you get to the Will Fuller, uh, Kenny Galladay type. Uh, And then with with tight ends, I, I think Jonu Smith, like Hunter Henry, is, we're going to talk about him next. He's going to be the prize of the tight end market. I think he's going to attract big attention. But Janu could actually be a really sneaky, um, you know, not maybe not a bargain signing, but like an under the radar move for a team to make as well. Corey Davis did impress at times last year. Uh, high pedigree, drafted super high. It's a shame how his season ended with the injury. I think it was a goose egg in the playoff game. Um but we have if Brown missed a game and, and, and Davis was the number one in that offense, he was like, you know, a top 10 uh, fantasy start type. But so it'll be totally dependent on where he lands. Kind of talk a little A.J. Brown, though. The guy was playing with an injury that supposedly was told was going to require season-ending surgery in week two, bone bruise. And if Corey Davis and John Smith leave, you know, I mean, what if Derrick Henry goes down too? I mean, if suddenly the volume's there with the talent in A.J. Brown. I know he's relying on the play action, but... My question to you is A.J. Brown or Justin Jefferson next year? That's the decision I made in round three of that best ball. And it was like, you know, picking a child because I my favorite kid because I love those guys, man. I, I have them ranked aggressively. So who, who did you take on those after? You've been hitting the film room, haven't you? Oh, yeah, buddy. Uh... <laughs> I know with Jefferson. I know you have Jefferson specifically. So I want, let's hear it. I, I'll tell you I went with. I, as much as I've hyped uh, A.J. Brown, I went with Jefferson. Yeah. Oh my God. That is a really tough choice because 
you can you can really go back and forth on those two because I think from a pure talent perspective, they're right there with each other. It's really tough to pick and choose between the two. Um, I would say if like I had to choose right now because you know he was a rookie last year, and I think he had. I think I think he had the like I keep saying this, but with Justin Jefferson basically had like Odell Beckham's rookie season without like the one catch hype, um, you know the the prime time incredible moments. But that's how good he was, you know, as a rookie receiver. So I think I take from a pure player perspective, it's really really close. But I'm probably giving a slight edge to, to Justin Jefferson just because he's only a rookie. Maybe he grows a little more. Like an offensive environment perspective, Tennessee is going through some changes, but I'd rather be invested in that offense. Um, and I think from a volume perspective, I think I'd rather – it's tough because from an overall volume perspective, I think you give the edge to Je- Justin Jefferson. He probably gets more raw targets. But like A.J. Brown is going to dominate targets in that offense, right? Like you would think if Davis and Jonu go, they might make another move at a receiver. But man, this is a tough question. I think I'm breaking ties in favor of Jefferson because like if he's only scratched the surface that there's there's unbelievable uh, amounts of, 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 of jumps and improvement for him to make. But that's tough. That's a good, that, I can understand why you, uh, why you went back and forth on that one. They're my four and five right behind the big three, Adams, Terry Kill, and, and Diggs. And uh, I, early ADP, apparently that's not the case. I mean, I had to choose between Jefferson and A.J. Brown in this round three draft. Um, and if that is the case, I'm not going to be – already I was already leaning that way. I'm not going to be so stringent on just taking running backs so early. If you guys are going to gift me Jefferson and A.J. Brown in round three, I even took Stephon Diggs in round two of this one. So definitely going to be different moving forward, uh, looks like, this year in my drafts. But uh, – yeah, I hear you. It's, it's not an easy choice between those two. I I, I love both. Yeah, it's tough. Um, that Titans offense is going to be interesting to to follow if Davis and Johnny leave. On, on just on Corey Davis, real quick. Like, it's weird because I think he's never. It's almost like being drafted fifth overall. Like unfairly put him in this in in a category because I don't think he was really ever worth that type of pick. It was super like people forget, but it was super aggressive for the Titans to make that move because. He, not only was he coming from a small school, but he was injured all throughout the offseason that year. We never got any workout metrics on him at all. Like, not that that stuff, like, in my opinion, really should make or break a prospect, but it's just, it was an aggressive move because of the lack of testing that we had on Davis. And then, you know, I, I think for the first two years of his career, he was like a solid starting receiver. And I think last year he was he was just he was a solid starting receiver in the boring ass Titans offense during Marcus Mariota's years. Last year he's a starting NFL receiver in one of the most efficient offenses by basically any metric in the NFL. So I think he's just a really good number two. That I, I wouldn't sign him if I was looking for a number one. But I mean, think about this, Dalton. What about in Washington across from our guy Terry McLaurin? Like Ooh. how good? How good would Cor? I know. Um, people want to connect Curtis Samuel there because of the coaching staff uh, connections. People maybe think about Juju there, but I think Corey Davis is like a perfect fit as um, their their ex receiver. And then you know you have uh, McLaurin at flanker. I, I would oh love yeah, that. and the fact that McLaurin revealed he was playing with two high high ankle sprains last year too. If they can get a competent quarterback in there, Corey Davis definitely benefited from his situation, but still. Uh, number eight in yards per target, number four in yards per route run last season. So yeah, add him to Washington yeah, with that defense, man. Yeah, that would be interesting. That's a good call with Washington. I like that one. Yeah, that's that's one place where all of these receivers like they really. I think McLaurin's a one. I think we both agree that he is like a, a, a stud. 
but I could they they need a number two so badly. They have like nothing, you know. They have nothing yeah. on that team. Logan um, Thomas, but, yeah. I mean Logan, Logan Thomas, Thomas. I, but I mean just from a like, I mean Logan Thomas is basically going to play the slot a ton for them, which is why I like adding a guy like Davis, yeah. who's strictly an outside receiver. Sure. You know, you need Juju in the slot. You probably want to push Curtis Samuel like sixty forty in the slot. Davis is strictly a perimeter receiver. That's why I like that fit um, the best there. So uh, we, we shall see what happens. Maybe they even go to the Galladay range or Will Fuller range. They could definitely they could definitely use the uh, explosion on that offense. Uh, we talked about Johnny Smith, but uh, I think, as I mentioned, Hunter Henry is probably going to be the prize of the tight end market. Man, Henry... I, I think is a really good tight end, right? He 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 might want to get to that like 13 million range, like clearly above the Austin Hooper uh, contract, but not quite to the George Kittle, Travis Kelsey level. You know, it would it would really take the right situation for me to jump in on the hype that's probably going to come with Hunter Henry. But uh, where would you like to see him land? Um, I don't have a strong opinion about where he is land, but a it's Donald Parham season and B, <laughs> uh, Matt, I'm talking myself into this tight end group again, this young group Hawkinson and oh, Detroit no! with, with absolutely <laughs> no one there. Dallas Goddard without Zach Gertz, uh, uh Noah Fanton year three, uh, Tyler Higby now without with, with that cleared up there. Um, what do you call it? Left, uh, Gerald Everett left. So I'm talking Gesicki, uh, younger Irv Smith without Kyle Rudolph. Blake Jarwin Jeez. coming back in that offense. I'm talking myself again into tight end. Uh, of course, it won't uh, result that way. But, yeah, and even Hunter Henry if he lands in a good spot. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Where where were you thinking for him? Oh, my God, Dalton. Well, listen, I, I will not <laughs> – I will not be joining you on this uh, tight end terror yeah. ride, but uh, but I respect yeah. your fortitude to go after it again. I'm just going to be the coward that like takes Kittle, not Kelsey, too aggressive, but like takes Kittle and logs out, just like I tried to do last year. Um, I think from from a from a, a Hunter Henry perspective, like the teams at the top with all the cap room, you know, the Jaguars have an absurd amount of cap room. I could see them making a wild move for uh, Kenny Galladay or a um, or a Hunter Henry. Henry would look really good there. They badly need a pass-catching tight end. And, like, their receiver core has LaVisca Chenault. He's interesting. DJ Chark, I think, is a pretty solid, probably number two receiver in the NFL. Um, and if they get Trevor Lawrence, you know, I, I've still got my questions about the coaching staff there with Urban Meyer and all that. But I actually, if the Jaguars went just, you know, ham and, and added Hunter Henry, I actually would be – that's a pretty exciting landing spot if Lawrence is as good as everyone says he is. I do feel like be. there's enough whispers, like just enough whispers around um, how much Bill Belichick apparently loves Hunter Henry. There's a lot of like, I don't know. There's like I said, a lot of whispers that that's a that's a that's potential a good landing spot. Yeah, I, I, and they have like the Patriots are actually have a ton of cap space, sixty eight million right now, third most in the NFL. If they're going to add some, like who I don't know who would end up being Hunter Henry's quarterback. That's probably not an exciting fantasy landing spot, um, but uh, he's definitely at a place that that would be that would be a spot. I have more tight ends for you. Cole Komet, uh, as I mentioned, Parham oh on the Chargers. God. Chris Herndon's finally going to get going. Troutman on uh, the Saints without without Cook there. Um, Kyle Pitts. Have you heard of him? Uh, no, Kyle by the way, Pitts. Yeah, that's exciting. I, I, I haven't even followed college, but I, and I saw the Niners, the first couple mocks about a month ago, linked to, to Pitts, and I 
first YouTube I pulled up, I laughed and I said, there's a 0% chance this person falls to number 12 in the draft. And uh, in a, lately, all the drafts, uh, shockingly, he's getting mocked much sooner because, yeah, there's no chance that guy's falling out, of the t- falling out of the top 10. But he's another one I'm going to get excited about. So tight end. Oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, I haven't even talked about like uh, Austin Hooper coming on or, or Robert Tunyon putting up all the touchdowns from last year. So a loaded position in 2020, 2021. For 2021, yeah. 2022, yeah. 2023, yeah. one of these years, tight end yeah. will actually be like the gold mine that we want it to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Well, I will say it's a little worrisome to me that the, the Chargers they have they have plenty of cap space, right? They're sitting on like 26 million, almost 27 oh, yeah. million. It's a little worrisome to me that they don't just like the tight end franchise tag. I know that I know that Henry was franchised last last year, so it'd be a bit of an increase. It's a little worrisome to me that they're just kind of like, yeah, we think we're okay without you. And it's worrisome from like a couple of different directions. Maybe one they just from a Hunter Henry angle, it's worrisome. It's also a little right. worrisome to me that like I don't know if I'm if I'm the Chargers, I'm trying to do everything I can to make Justin Herbert's life easier. I know they got to sign offensive linemen. Like they should be on the phone with Mitchell Schwartz right now. Like they that's what that's what they should be doing. Um, but you're know, two cool. of a you're you're two of a good quarterback is like the time to go all in in the NFL, right? Like this is the time to, if you have a young quarterback in the beginning of contracts, right? Isn't that the time to strike? Yes. I would love to see them um, like extend Mike Williams, get his cap number down because he has like the an absurd $15 million cap hit. Um, extend him, get him down, and then add another receiver in free agency. If, and then, yeah, they can, it can be Parham season all, all we want at, at tight end. <laughs> that is, he's, he's like a freak. He's like what, like 6'8", 6'9"? Yeah. He's huge. Yeah. XFL yeah. superstar. Um, yeah, that's a, that's definitely an exciting, uh, one there. Not so exciting for Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, he's going to be joining this crowded free agent market as the saints try every weird trick in the book to get under, uh, under the cap. It would really take like the right perfect landing spot for Sanders. I think at this point, um, the saints did not become that team last year, even though he's a good theoretical fit. I think Sanders probably has a little bit of gas left in the tank. You know, he's, He's got old man game anyways. He separates really well. Very good route runner. But it would probably take um, the, the perfect spot for me to get excited about him at this point. Yeah, he's not super going to be super fantasy relevant at this point. Just an excuse to bring up memories of Jimmy G missing him in the Super Bowl for me. But he actually has been linked back to – I guess Shanahan absolutely loved him. So he's been linked back to the Niners. But I don't think fantasy relevant at this point too much. I actually kind of like that that Niners reunion. I thought he was really good there, good fit. Um Ayuk is definitely the the alpha there. He should continue to to. The, but that look, man. If I'm Jimmy G, I'm like, please don't cut, don't get rid of me this year. You finally have uh, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. If they're all healthy at the same time, like Dalton, tell you what. From one former Niners fan to a current Niners fan, um, lifelong fan by the way, uh, you 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 should be really excited this year. That's a potentially killer offense, and like Sanders as the kind of veteran slot guy would be exciting. Yeah, no, he would be a, he would be a nice addition. Yeah, and people love he'll never stay healthy, but P- Niner fans are still still holding out hope that Jalen Hurd stays healthy one of these years out of the slot, their big slot. But yeah, um, well. that's really going deep yeah. there. But yeah, the Niners' uh, offense is set up. If a quarterback could come in, you know, if Jimmy G stayed healthy, it's certainly a, a nice setup there for sure. The weapons if they stayed healthy. Yeah, for sure. Um, Trent Williams, though, things- we need Trent Williams back. Niners, that's the big thing right now in San Francisco is Trent Williams yes. could command a lot of money, and getting that left tackle would certainly help. So that's that's the key right now, the Niners. Sherman and some other – the secondary, they don't have any cornerbacks, but the key there now is, is Trent Williams. 
I think he probably comes back. Sounds like he likes the, playing in that system. And, and, who and you know that I saw the odds real quickly, because I want to ask you about Aaron Jones, is that they, the Niners were second favorite to, to sign them. And I was like, please, no, but Shanahan, if you haven't learned from your Jerk McKinnon mistakes. But in the aforementioned yeah. best ball draft, I have A.J. <laughs> Dillon and Jamal Williams. So, like, I'm uh, so hoping that Aaron Jones signs elsewhere. Do you have any thoughts on that one? I think it's going to be pretty Dolphins. tough. Tough for the Packers to bring him back, right? Like Packers are Sounds nine million like over the cap. It'd be tough. They, they, he's gonna they, he's, they're gonna need to give him about ten million. I think you get more than that on the open market. I, I don't see how he comes back to Green Bay. Maybe I could be wrong. I could look like a buffoon, but I I'd be surprised at this point. I thought if they I thought they could have tagged him just because the running back number like it's not that prohibitive. It's running yeah. back, <clears throat> um, and you know. You're just trying to keep Aaron Rodgers as happy as possible. Like Aaron Rodgers definitely going because he gets pissed about everything. He's gonna be pissed that they let Aaron Jones walk. But I feel like at this point, it's it's a foregone conclusion that he ends up at a place like Miami um, or Atlanta. I know Atlanta's got like they've got cap problems too. Don't get me wrong; they're like 14 million over. Um, but that's a place that does, I think that might just be like fantasy heads wanting to make that connection. But they Atlanta is like in as ghastly a position as possible at the running back spot. Yeah, totally. I was thinking like Miami will give him a big contract, but yeah, no, I was pumped to see them not uh, give him that franchise tag. What if what if it's what if it's Mac Jones throwing to these all these Niners we're talking about? If they go that route, pick twelve. McCorkle, did you know his real name is actually McCorkle? I did not know that. Now I need to reevaluate my stand. I didn't know. I didn't know that. <laughs> McCorkle. All right, I'm all in even more. Good for McCorkle. All right. Nice. Yeah, McCork. Yeah, Mac Jones apparently is short for McCorkle, which is uh, that's funny. I didn't know that. That's quite a thing um anyways fact check me on that but i'm like 99 sure oh no it's 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 the fact regardless now okay well now it is i'm sure i'm like 99 sure i saw a few tweets about it which is like basically um the 2021 version of fact checking is like yeah i saw some tweets about it sure who cares um the bears placed the franchise tag on Allen robinson a couple cleanup notes here uh stinks i don't think the saga is over with robinson i think there's a chance they could trade him the bears really want to uh trade for russell wilson apparently and if that's what we got to do if that's what we got to do to get robinson a good quarterback screw it chicago trade trade the entire city's budget i don't care um but our 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 fearless leader J- uh jason klobaka hit, hit our our lead fantasy um you know, head of head of all things here at Yahoo Fantasy. His his uh, worry is that they're going to trade Robinson for a draft pick and use that draft pick to trade for Russell Wilson, which would just be like I don't know, biting your nose to spite your face or whatever the saying is. Um, maybe that's just the jaded Bears fan in him talking, but that would be a nightmare. Either way, I feel like the saga is not quite over on Robinson, but I mean, odds are now he just plays for the Bears in twenty twenty one. Yeah, Warren Sharp tweeted it recently. The who's been passing to him in his NFL career? Blake Bortles the most, then Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, Chase Daniel, Chad Henney, Brian Walters, and Tyler Bray. And then in college, it was Hackenberg and McGloin. So I mean, that's it's that's pretty. I mean, that's as bad as it absolutely gets. So um, yeah, can we talk about Russell Wilson leaving the Seahawks? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm in on that. So I would be I would not be against him joining the Bears at all. But yeah, I would. Allen Robinson, as is, looks like he's yeah stuck in Chicago in another uh, bad situation. I mean, with a team never had a four thousand yard passer, it's the weather and, and and horrible, inaccurate passes. So yeah, not ideal for fantasy. You know the the funny thing is actually like I think to the Bears coaching staff credit and like 
that that's a weird thing to say right off the bat, but I actually think they've used Allen Robinson really well uh, ever since he's gotten there. They haven't just like like Jacksonville. This is always my complaint with with him in the Jacksonville offense, like that 2016 season after his big breakout year. Why things were so like swinging on the other side of variance. They just lined him out at X receiver, never like moved him around anything like that. The Bears actually like put him in the slot. They move him around. They let him um, get off press every now and again. I mean, he still operates and functions as a true alpha receiver, which he is. He is the elite of the elite to me. But uh, so I, I actually like the way they used him. Like basically, our, I think the Russell Wilson thing is the pie in the sky. But in reality, we're probably fingers crossed that they just signed like Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, you know, he just throws to he just throws like 170 balls to Robinson or whatever next year. That is like probably the best we can hope for. Yeah. Wherever Fitzpatrick ends up, definitely. I was glad to hear that it looked like there was erroneous reports that he was going to retire because that's you're yeah. right. That's a perfect thing. Join in Chicago. He'd be serviceable. I'd bump up Allen Robinson. I don't know where the hell that, I mean, I know it came from John Clayton and like John Clayton is like a longtime stud in the business. So I'm not going to like speak ill of, oh, of, of, of John Clayton, but that came out of nowhere. Cause like, I talked to him at the Super Bowl, you know, virtually this year over Zoom. I talked to him at the Super Bowl. He's like dead set. He feels like he's in the prime of his career. Uh, feels like he's like the, the most dialed into football of, of, that he's ever been. Um, and I wasn't the only one that had that, that exact same conversation with him during the Super Bowl. So it did catch me off guard. Seems like he's going to play. So, and he, he and Jameis are basically the two guys in the quarterback market where it's like, I, I don't care. It probably screws over your team in the long term, but like for purely a fantasy sense, let's get, the, I don't like Jameis as a, as a quarterback really at all. Like in, you know, uh, he might return to new Orleans, whatever. I actually would be really interested to see Jameis Winston and Michael Thomas, like because of the reputation that Michael Thomas has as like just a slant route runner. Um, I'd love to see how that would look together. The Saints have a lot of moves to make to get under the cap, but uh, like we basically just want Jameis and Fitzpatrick to like go to some offense and just pummel targets to like a, a wide receiver who struggled with bad quarterback play. No doubt, no doubt. And we can uh, Jameis can go. Uh, I actually drafted Taysom Hill in round sixteen in this other uh, draft, oh, so I'm, I'm kind of rooting for, for for that. Is where I'm on that thing. But uh, Jameis is another perfect example of like a Fitzpatrick guy for sure. 100% have Taysom Hill on um, my Superflex Dynasty team, so uh, I might nice, be feeling nice. the same. I might be feeling nice. the same way as you. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I don't need him with Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers as the two starting what's quarterbacks. Drew, but what's what's Drew Brees doing? By the way, is trainers posting videos of him working out? So confusing. I don't know. I still, where, where are we sitting with that? Isn't it weird that he just hasn't retired yet? It's weird. It's it's weird. I I feel weird about the fact that he hasn't just come out and done it, but. Yeah, we know how it's got to be a whole pop and circumstance thing. Maybe he was put off by the fact that the the mayor of New Orleans literally like put up a video that was basically just like, yeah, Russ, come on down. Like Sierra, she was making the because New Orleans is one of the teams that Russ's Russell's agent said, we haven't asked for a trade. But if we did ask for a trade, we would go to yeah, blah, 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 yeah. New Orleans was one of right. those teams. Right. And uh, she basically said, like, yeah, Sierra, come on down. Russell Wilson, come on down. We love we'd love it here. And Drew's like, what the hell? I'm, I haven't even officially told you I'm leaving yet. I don't know. Probably when you make the, this whole dramatic scene in your last game in the Superdome, Drew, and you, like, wave totally. around, you hang out with Tom Brady, people probably think you're retired. So I wouldn't be too put off about it. But um, last thing here, most importantly, uh, the Falcons re-signed kicker uh, Young Way Koo to uh, one-year contract. Absolutely. Imperative. Yeah, for sure. No, producer Ragu paid me uh, $500 to um, to to 
to to to mention that in the outline because I, I absolutely yeah. the, uh, I think we went yeah. I think we went too long here anyway. We're supposed to go quick, but we get to start talking football with you even against the, the minor moves. It's too too much uh, to go over, but uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Who huh? cares? There's no timing here. Uh, we were just having fun talking ball. All right. Anyways, yeah. Thank you, Dalton, for joining me. Uh, now, yeah, let's welcome in Indianapolis Colts running back Naheem Hines. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today, man. Oh, thanks, Matt, for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Well, absolutely. Uh, all, all the thanks to you. Look, you're coming off a, a really fun season in Indianapolis. How are you feeling now uh, that we're into the off season? Sort of, you know, obviously Super Bowl is coming past. We're actually about to start free agency. Uh, how are you feeling looking back at 2020 sort of in retrospective? I think just looking back on 2020, you know, first off, just with COVID and everything, there was so much uncertainty with the season and even all the things hanging in the balance. So honestly, just first off, happy that I had an opportunity to play football, the game I love. And then secondly, just excited that opportunity, you know, to make the most of the opportunity I had playing football. I, I think I had my best year yet. And I think, uh, you know, there's a lot more to come from that. So hopefully I think I can draw from the, ex- the experiences I have, obviously losing in the playoffs. And I think the loss in the playoffs and even just my season, I think, as a team, we're going to grow from that to take us to the next step. And I think my play this year, uh, what I've done this year, I'm going to take that and take it to the next step. Yeah, it was funny because I remember when uh, the Colts obviously signed Indianapolis. Not, I mean, like They signed uh, Phillip Rivers, of course. And, you know, us fantasy folks on the outside, we get a lot wrong, man. You know, we, we, we miss on a lot of predictions. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you can understand why. We don't actually know anything about what's going on in locker rooms, what's going on in teams, stuff like that. But one thing that was a really um, – kind of obvious fit was your skill set as a as a pass catching running back with a guy like Philip Rivers uh what was the dynamic like between you guys you know that was something that was easy to see coming that you would be a good fit with a player like that um how how was your relationship like with Philip uh and then obviously looking forward into the future what do you think uh the team is losing with him retiring um, I think obviously with Philip, I think he's uh, any pass catching back's best friend. Just how he looks at security blankets, we do. I say the same thing to him. Uh, honestly, with my entire life of quarterbacks, you've never been a quarterback who kind of just got even just the, the option routes and just things like that. But guess what? Philip Rivers played with some of the best guys like me. He's Woodhead, Sproles. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that he's seen Sproles do, and that experience even helped me, and he's honestly propelled my career further. And obviously, just as a team, we're going to miss that veteran leadership. Uh, there's not many people who have 17 years of playing football. There's not many. We can name them. Breedy, Braves, Rodgers. It's, uh, yeah. it's not many of those guys. We're losing a pioneer, so to speak, of this generation for football. So uh, not even just for a pass catching back like me, but there's just so much knowledge that is lost that with him leaving. So hopefully, you know, throughout his career, he's gave a lot of knowledge. And hopefully guys like myself and guys around the Colts in his last year taking that out so we can keep it going. Yeah, and he's going to be like what a high school football coach yep. now too. Yeah, be a great uh, I, I feel like that's a pretty, I, yeah, right. I feel like that's a pretty good fit for a guy like Philip Rivers. It's the it's the enthusiasm. I, I feel like as an outsider watching him, you know, the energy, the electricity that he would probably bring, bring especially to a, a younger team like you guys are. No, that's definitely what it is. He brought this energy, and uh, and then it's not even energy, but that energy comes confidence. Because first of all, we have a guy who we know has seen every defense in the league. You know has a, a great career. So, I mean, when you have a guy like that leading the ship, I mean, it's, it's going to be amazing. And, you know, Carson's going to come in and hopefully Carson makes plays and Carson's going to have his energy and his aura and his confidence. And that's all we need is, you know, quarterback playing with his confidence. And Philip did that because, you know, we have a great team around us. We had great, he had a great rapport with the coach. And then we just, you know, we're a great team, I believe. So got to keep working that way. And we're going to hopefully get that way with Carson. 
All right, yeah, so you brought up Carson, so that that's clear for me to ask you about Carson. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, again, you never know what the dynamics are like inside uh, another team's locker room or anything like that, what went on there. But, you know, just from your outside perspective, what do you think uh, Carson can do to sort of, like, improve this offense, maybe take it to another level? Because, like you said, really good team around him, much better, personally, I'll say it, you don't have to say it, much better team around him in Indianapolis than he left uh, in Philadelphia. The offensive line in Indy is good. He's got a good pair of running backs in the backfield with you and Jonathan Taylor. Some receivers like Michael Pittman that could be on the come up. Uh, how do you think Carson is going to fit into that, just sort of based on what you've seen from him throughout his career? Uh, well, I mean, shoot, I saw – all I need to see is what Carson did when he was with Frank. These last couple of years don't matter, and uh, I know Carson will come in hungry to work. I think uh, – with Carson, I think he just has to be himself. Uh, obviously, we just have to, as a whole, and all of us, we got to make sure we don't fumble and turn the ball over the quarterback. It starts with the quarterback because there's the ball every play, but that's something we harp on every every day, literally. So I got to make sure I don't fumble. Carson has to make sure he takes care of the ball. We're going to take care of the ball, and then after that, Carson's going to be Carson. Like you said, we have a great line. We haven't get, we've been probably top five, and if not top one, in the league for sacks every year. I know 2018, we gave the least amount of sacks. I know these past two years, we haven't been much farther behind one if we weren't number one. And uh, after that, we have a quarterback who's mobile. And I think that's an extra dynamic that we haven't had that we can use. I think uh, obviously going to be well protected. But then when we need some plays in the red zone or uh, just to make a play, Carson can do that. So I think when Carson, if Carson's himself and as a team, if we all, not even just Carson, if as a team, we take care of the ball. I know we're going to be a great team. Yeah, I think that fit with Frank Reich is so huge. And, you know, I, I – I, did not look. I'll, I'll say it. I did not enjoy watching the 2020 Eagles. That was a tough watch. The entire production was not so great. But I'm actually kind of like sneaky bullish on Carson and the entire Colts operation. Not just. And I'm just saying this just because you're here, man. I, I, I'm like sneaky bullish on this whole thing. I think this is a good fit for him, and I think it comes from that culture and that system with Frank Reich. What is Frank like uh, as a coach? Because I mean, it seems like literally everybody raves about this guy and the culture that he's established there in Indy. Uh, I saw Darius Leonard out there tweeting like, you know, look, if, if you, like, we'll take any quarterback down here as long as they're just ready to work. Uh, what is that culture that Frank has established there? Just uh, he's really honestly just established a winning culture. Uh, obviously, hopefully we come around to winning our goal of a Super Bowl. But I think with Frank, it's not even just the fact that he's a uh, offensive genius because there's a, there's a lot of offensive like a lot of creative offensive guys in the NFL and Frank as well. Andy Reid's Frank Reich. There's a lot of guys who are uh, offensive guys. But I think what makes Frank so great is a uh, he knows it, and even a uh, Mr. Ballard and a uh, Mr. Ersing, just they know the type of guys they want and they get the right type of guys. And then on top of that, Frank's a great teacher. Frank's probably one of the best teachers of football I've ever been around. So uh, he's played the game. He's been around the game for a while, so I think he's going to be able to teach. Even he even taught Philip things, so it's a. Yeah. I think that's what makes us great, and that's why you know he's a quarterback coach. And honestly, he's like a quarterback whisperer. He's a great coach, and when you're a great coach and you're a great teacher of anything, especially football, things around you are going to be great. So much of the NFL, and you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I feel like it's so much of it is a relationship business, and we just don't think about that on the outside. You're not in your head uh, for the podcast listeners, so that that's a good sign that I've said the right thing here. Um, look, it's you know, we've all had bad teachers in our life, like going to school. Like the, mm -hmm. the difference between a good teacher and a bad teacher is huge. And I feel like because Frank has you know reached into his Rolodex, there's a really outdated uh, reference there, Rolodex. I, I didn't even have a Rolodex. <laughs> what, what the hell am I talking about here? Like reached back into his Rolodex for some of his former quarterbacks, like Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, uh, building back on those relationships. I feel like it's one of the most 
kind of under discussed things when you're talking about uh, about pro football is just that relationship part of it and the teacher aspect. Absolutely. And that's just a life thing. Life is about relationships. It doesn't matter how much money you make. The relationships that you make with people will open doors that you never had. And it's simply like that for football, too. How can you expect a football player or athlete when this is our living to play well if we don't have a great relationship with the people in the building? It just doesn't work like that. And uh, even there's a lot of yeah. players you've seen just like you can just tell something's off. And maybe that might be one of mm-hmm. them. But I know as athletes, at least for me speaking, there have been times where I had problems with a coach in my past or just things in general. And uh, it makes me it, – it doesn't give you all the confidence. Instead of being 100% sure now, you're 90% sure. And as athletes, you can't be 90% sure. you got to be 100% no matter what you're doing. So relationships are the most important thing in football, obviously, other than your health. Yeah, you can have talent, you can have health, you can have a really great scheme, but it's those the relationships that really, I think, help you win on the margins. It's all about and trust. You guys – it really is, right? And not just from an off-field perspective, but an on-field uh, perspective, too. You got to, like, believe that the other guys around you uh, have your back. You, they're going to be in the right position. Uh, everything like that, man. I, that just makes so much That's sense to truth. me. And it feels like, again, it feels like, again, it, we, we just don't talk about that enough on the outside. We talk about scheme fits mm-hmm. um, and and all that stuff, all the splashy things. But it really it does come back to relationships. And that's, again, why I do think – I'm yep. personally bullish on the Colts <laughs> with Carson Wentz and and everything uh, that's going on there. Let's talk a little bit about you off the field here in the offseason. Um, I always love to pick uh, players' brains sort of about, you know, I, I realize that it's it's a cycle probably in the offseason with your with your diet, with your with your workout regimen, but can you take me sort of kind of behind the scenes of um, what your diet and your training regimen is gonna look like maybe in this portion of the offseason and then gearing up obviously towards you know, fingers crossed, like we get back to normal training camps and everything like that at some point here. Uh, honestly, I kind of look at it as a, a track athlete or a cross country runner would, and because that's what I was growing up. And uh, really, just for fans out there that ran track and country, cross country, don't understand what I'm saying. But everything is a build up to August. So obviously, I'm working hard. I'm working hard, but I'm not out there doing uh, my speed workouts. Now, I'm, right now, I'm just uh, lifting, trying to get my body back, doing uh, yoga, Pilates, doing a lot of stretching, and really just getting my miles and getting my cardio right to get in shape. And then, obviously, I'm going to do that for a while. And as as it gets hotter, honestly, as May, June, and July start to ramp up, at each month, I'm going to kind of intensify my workout to June and July, where I start doing heavy speed, working out yeah. two, three times a day sometimes. And really, my nutrition is uh, kind of simple. Uh, I'm a, like, a, I'm the four three guys were considered speedsters. Uh, a lot of speedsters, we need carbs. So uh, I don't really mm-hmm. eat. I really don't eat much fast food. And when I do, I like Chick-fil-A and things, but I really, I do a good job with my diet. Uh, <laughs> eating greens. And I, I like pasta. I eat a lot of carbs and that's really what I eat my veggies and things. But like, for me, I have a really a carb fuel diet with protein. Cause I love spaghetti, but I love like, you know, obviously eating a steak, but if I eat steak, I'm gonna have rice and potatoes and things like that with a bunch of carbs. And that's how I keep my body fueled. Yeah. I think people uh, that aren't, athletes or like really into their fitness probably see you know carbs are like viewed as the enemy man you know on the on uh, yep. on like fitness instagram or whatever uh, you energy, man. actually yeah, exactly like and, and your body said. needs seriously and your body needs the energy and also the recovery you brought up like yoga and pilates um i actually just shout out to me here real quick i, I lost 100 pounds over the course of a few years so that's why i always like really? to wow. i always like to pick yeah, congratulations yeah, i was like 
Thank you. I appreciate it. But that's always like, those are my credentials, right? Like every now and again, uh, I, I, when we're talking to you about this stuff, I got to say like, I'm, I've had some experience here and uh, not, I'm not a, I'm not an NFL running back, uh, not even close, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do a little bit of obviously fitness myself and the recovery portion of it that you mentioned, um, the yoga, the Pilates, I'm always fascinated about the guys. I feel like that's a, that's an edge for the players that are really incorporating Absolutely. that part of it because you mentioned it, your body at this point is still almost in a recovery phase of, um, you know, not an injury, but the, but the beating that you the guys beating. take all season to the point that, yeah, you're not out there right now going at a hundred percent. That makes perfect sense to me. Right. And then even, uh, just even throughout the season. So fans can understand, like, obviously we play on Sundays, Monday and Tuesday, we're spending Monday and Tuesday recovering from the game, but we're also getting ready for practice Wednesday and Thursday at the Colts. We go hard. Like, we're going to have hard practices and we're not going to kill each other, but we're going to get after it. We're going to go out there and do what we're supposed to do. And then Friday and Saturday, we're recovering from Wednesday and Thursday as opposed to, you know, and we're getting ready for the game as well, but it's all about recovery. Cause Sunday, we're, Sunday, Monday, we're recovering from the game. Then we're getting ready for practice. And then that whole week recovering from that week of practice because it's football. It's, I mean, unfortunately we can't just sit there and just go through plays. We got to go out there and actually practice them. So that's how it kind of is. And that's the recovery aspect of just how important it is. Well, yeah, it's uh, like like we said before, it's just all about setting that tempo, setting the tone um, to what you guys are going to be uh, as an organization. And clearly getting after like that is is what you guys are all about. I want to ask you um, about your new role uh, as a 2021 national spokesman for Muscular Dystrophy Association. Tell me a little bit about why you are so passionate about this particular subject. I'm passionate about this particular subject just because it's uh, it, my family members have it. Uh, it's on my mom's side of the family. My grandmother actually passed away from it in 2004, and my mother and uncle are living with it. So uh, even throughout this new role, when I first got into the NFL, I used my platform to, you know, just spread awareness by myself. So honestly, now uh, the MJ's voice is uh, bigger than mine, and they've affected a lot more lives than mine. So I'm honestly truly happy that I can team up with a team that knows how to spread awareness and raise money a lot better than I do myself. Yeah, that's all, always great when like you can find that organization that shares your passion and can then just like take that, you know, elevation for something that you've uh, obviously condolences to all of your family members and everything. That's just I love that you're passionate about this. I love that you're linked up with them. Uh, tell me a little bit about the uh, MDA Shamrocks. Campaign oh, yeah. Coming so this up. is awesome. Uh, firstly, uh, the MDA Shamrocks is the largest St. Patrick's Day fundraiser in the U.S., and basically, to sum it up, um, throughout this month, thousands of retailers across the country are inviting their customers to purchase MDA Shamrocks and, you know, the in-store pickups and the checkout lines, which uh, will be displayed at their locations. And uh, through, honestly, throughout the purchases and all that, it really just shows support. 300,000 Americans that have, you know, neuromuscular diseases and also is helping, you know, the MDA fund, you know, not muscular just being ALS, but also. So 43 other neuromuscular uh, diseases. So uh, that's really what's so big about it. And I'm personally excited for uh, the partnership with it doing St. Patrick's Day. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I love seeing in the stores all the all the shamrocks up there. It's a great thing. I'm really proud of you for being a part of this. I'm, that's awesome. Again, shout out to you. Shout out to them. It's a great partnership that uh, everyone should be checking out what they're doing there. Make sure you go get those shamrocks up there at your local store as well. Come on, give me a break. Get out there and do some good. Uh, look, Naheem, you've been really generous with your time. We've talked about a lot of things. Last thing I want to hit on here with you um, is you and Jonathan Taylor. You guys, I think, are forming one of the most exciting, maybe even underrated young running back duos uh, in the NFL. And my little theory about this, I was going back and forth with the producer uh, before, like yesterday, when we we're planning to, to talk to you and everything. 
I feel like you guys are kind of almost unfairly typecast in a way. And I'll, I'll explain this, what I mean by that. Like, you know, people look at Jonathan and he's this big, bulking, you know, I mean, unbelievable huge. Huge specimen like a of a back. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's huge. He is, he is like a freaking tank, right? And But then he's a good – he's a pretty good pass catcher. Like right there in his first game, you know, he's out there catching passes, uh, making big plays. Like you mentioned, Phillip Rivers, any pass catching running back's dream. Um, and then same thing with you. Obviously, you're, you're known for that pass catching element. But you had some really good moments in the red zone. And just as a pure rusher this year – um, kind of take me into the dynamics of you guys as a tandem and the way you complement each other. Uh, you know, first off, I think JT is going to be an emerging and elite back in this league. So my job is Naheem is just to go in there and uh, when 28 leaves the game, make sure there's no fall off when 21's in there. And uh, that's firstly what I do, <laughs> just challenge myself to keep the standard the standard. And honestly, after that, really, uh, I think uh, I think outside of football, a lot of people, you know, try to get in the roles, like me being a pass catcher or JT being the bruiser or whatever it is. But really, uh, we just kind of don't even look at it like that. Like, whatever, whoever's in, we're going to be at, we're going to be called upon. And when the ball comes our way, it doesn't matter if it's a pass, a handoff, or a punt, or even a fumble. When the ball comes our way, we have to do something with it, right? That's what we, I think that's what we're right. really good about. I think uh, we do a really great job of helping each other. There's no hate in our room. We all, myself, Marlon, Jordan Wilkins, we all help each other out. And we all watch the film on each other. And that's how we also get better. So I think as we, as, as we keep doing that, I think confidence will just keep being built. And I think with confidence, we would keep playing well. And obviously, we have a new quarterback. And I think there's going to be no fall off from the running back group. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to make sure we protect the quarterback when we protect. When we have to protect where it catches the ball when it's thrown to us. And obviously, we're going to run the ball and run some touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, JT, he is electric when he's out there, right? I mean, even just you're looking at him. Like, like we said, he is that tank specimen. But he sort of started off the year a little bit slow. Not unexpected because of, of the COVID situation and yeah. just the slow ramp up to and the season. And he's just a rookie. He's a you got to learn. It's my third year. Right. So I, I yeah. Like, my first game, I was my, – my, my game one to game 16 or even playoff game is way different. He has a learning curve. So that's why I'm even super excited about him. Uh, there's no rookie curve this year. He's played – He's played 17 real NFL games, so he's going to be able, he's going to come back a little bit better. He's going to have experience, just like me. This is going to be my fourth year. I've played 50 games now, but I'm I'm going to be a lot better at game 50 than I, I'm going to be a lot better at game 70 than I am at game whatever 50 or I am now. So it's all experience, and I'm excited that he's going to draw from that. And I think he's going to come back and run for a thousand yards plus and do a lot of things. Hopefully for the fantasy, hopefully for the fantasy world too. I was going to say, there's a lot of uh, fantasy folks out there listening to this podcast that are like, okay, Naheem Hines told me to that I can draft Jonathan Taylor, number five overall. Don't draft him and then get mad at me if like, I take a touchdown or anything <laughs> like that. You know how fantasy is. But uh, honestly, for fantasy uh, yeah. football, it's, it's very, very unpredictable. But I feel like for both of us, uh, it depends on the week. But I think for both of us, we're both good drafts. I, that's, that's what I can tell you, personally speaking. I don't know on each yeah. week, but if you keep us throughout the year, I know we're not going to let you down. He's got to play us at the right time. Exactly. And look, uh, Naheem, that's on them. Okay. Like <laughs> they are the ones that click. Like I'm putting it, this person in my lineup because let me tell you what, who is actually going to hear about it is probably me. But like, I, we'll, we'll both be hearing about it. You know, maybe you'll get some Twitter mentions and I'm like, well, absolutely clowns out that, there. P- that, in, please. that Instagram is, 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 is undefeated. Leave players alone. Don't. Don't don't tag them about their fantasy team, okay? Like hashtag you, you, leave players a, alone twenty twenty one, right? <laughs> leave players alone. Come bring it to me. Bring it to my mentions at Matt Harmon underscore byb. You can harass me about the things that went wrong with your fantasy team. That's fine. That's part of why they pay me the you know bucks, the moderate bucks, I guess we'll say. <laughs> and we'll talk about that at another podcast. Naheem, this has been great. Thanks so much for hanging out with me, man. Uh, really appreciate 
everything uh, that we talked about, uh, everything that you're doing with MDA, the Shamrocks campaign. I hope people are out there uh, supporting the cause and everything, uh, showing love to MDA and to you as well. Good luck this year. Good luck this offseason. I, I, like I said, I'm really excited to see what this 2021 Colts team uh, looks like. I think it's one of the most fascinating ones to follow in the <laughs> NFL right now. Well, first off, man, thank you, Matt, for having me on the show. Hopefully I can do it again. And uh, I'll definitely be checking your uh, – your uh, mentions on social media now so they can get no, on your that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man, for having me I appreciate on. it. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right, man. Take care. All right. Thanks to Naheem Hines for joining us. And thanks again to Dalton Del Don for joining me during this important juncture of the free agency period. Dalton, while I have you, uh, what are your thoughts on the indie backfield uh, next year? I'll tell you what, man. Number one, he minds awesome to talk to, really fun guy, uh, great personality. But man, he is like all in on you know he he's like I, I'm good, like I'll be I'll be all right. Like you should pick me in fantasy for sure. But like Jonathan Taylor, that's that's the guy. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm like kind of sneaky. I said it in the interview. I'm kind of sneaky bullish on this Colts operation with Wentz next year. Wentz was terrible last year, but the relationship factor there, everything else, I, I'm kind of excited about about the Colts offense next year. I have Jonathan Taylor number four overall on my board right now, and I'm closer to moving him up than I am lower. I mean, I might be third or I might have him. He might settle in right behind McCaffrey by the time drafts roll around for me. But he's he's right around third or fourth on my overall board right now. I'm all in huge second half last year. Uh, The switch to Wentz may hurt your guy Hines a little bit with the dump offs that he benefited from Rivers. But yeah, he'll be a nice complimentary player. But uh, Taylor, I'm all in big time. Yeah, I want to see the Colts add a receiver for sure for Wentz because um, I think T.Y. is kind of cooked uh, and yeah, he is hitting free agency anyways. I really like Michael Pittman, though. That's a player that I'm I'm excited about um, for next season. But anyways, that's enough Paris Colts Campbell talk. coming back. Paris, Paris Campbell coming back, too, though? Don't care. No? Don't care, <laughs> no don't care as much. Don't don't okay. don't care as much about that one. I think okay. they got to add. Okay. They've got maybe if he's healthy, sure, but they've got to add. They've got to add another piece there for sure. Um, but that's enough about the damn uh, 2021 Colts. While you are waiting for all of these free agency destinations to become official and getting way, way too hyped about where your favorite free agent wide receiver lands, listen to our podcast offerings here at Yahoo Sports. Check out the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. Posted up with Chris Haynes is here to talk about all things NBA. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Dalton is at Dalton Del Don. Uh, he'll never tweet anything, but one time a year he'll drop like a spicy Andy Dalton hot take and log the hell out. And that's why you got to respect Dalton Del Don, baby. Absolutely. Imperative. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Uh, and remember, of course, to sign up for this year's Yahoo Fantasy 50K Tourney Pick'em Contest. But until then, we are out.
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.